Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. Awesome. Wasn't this beautiful? Just a beautiful way to start the day. And uh, I'm just going to keep right with this flow and go right into our Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter 2. It says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And then the angels came to the shepherds to announce this great news, and then they said this, today, in the town of David, in Bethlehem, a savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And that's what we're talking about today, you guys, for this Christmas. And on Christmas was this gift, this gift of this baby, which really was the gift of life. So those lyrics to that song, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark streets, shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So this little Christmas hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, the truth is Bethlehem was little. In Micah, 700, over 700 years before Jesus was actually born, the prophet Micah said this, but you, Bethlehem, Though you are small, among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. This is good news. Little, insignificant Bethlehem. This town is never going to be the same again because God literally moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> that would change things. Can you imagine God moving into your neighborhood? <laughs> So I was thinking about that when Susie and I and our team, we moved out here from Michigan 15 years ago to start, to start K2 the church. And I remember the home that we live in now, when we were actually looking at this, considering buying it, um, Susie and I were inside the house and we walked out to the street and our realtor was down the street and she was walking around the street and she came back and she had this really concerned look on her face. And I'm like, Kim, what's the matter? She goes, I don't know about this street. This neighborhood looks kind of shady. Sugar House is a scary place, you guys. <laughs> but literally, she's walking up and down our street, and, and it is kind of funny because we live by Westminster, and our street actually happens to be just a lot of duplexes for college students. And so she was actually more concerned that we wouldn't have something for our kids, you know. So dark streets, you know, of Sugar House. But then it was funny. So we're standing there talking, and all of a sudden, this guy comes out of the house, and he was uh, the owner owned the top, and he uh, part of our home, and then he was renting out the bottom to a guy. So this guy comes out and he starts talking to us. He says, hey, you guys going to consider buying this house? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're this, we love it. You know, tell us about it. He's, we're talking, having a good time. And he goes, so what do you do? Can I just tell you, when somebody asks me what I do, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, on a side note, one time I was just getting my hair cut. 
And, you know, every the guy's just cutting my hair. Everything's fine. And then he asked me, in the middle of the haircut, he goes, what do you do? And I go, well, I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, okay. And he starts being all gentle with my hair. You know, because we're very sensitive as pastors. But anyway, so, so I'm sitting there, and I tell this guy, and he's like, so, so you're moving here? He goes, what do you do? And I go, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm a pastor. And he literally goes like this. And he, he stumbles around. He goes, I've never met a real-life pastor before. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe you've met a dead one. I don't know. But, but it, it's hilarious. That after, he was basically saying, yeah, the neighborhood is going down, right? The pastor's moving into the neighborhood. So funny. But, you know, our street actually is really dark. It's really weird. I don't know why all the streets on the side of us have nice street lights and everything. Our street has no street lamps. And it's weird. We literally live across from Westminster College. And it's, there are many nights where I'm driving there. And there's college students walking on our street. And it's pitch black. And I just think, man, why don't we have any lights? It is dark streets. But what's interesting, because of where I live, if you just go one block east from us, you run into this. Ta-da! How many of you guys been to Christmas Street? Really? Like four of you? Oh my gosh, you guys need this. Christmas Street is awesome. I love these people. Every home, in fact, one of the couples here at K2 lives on Christmas Street. And if you buy a home on Christmas Street, you just know we need to, when the season comes, every house is just lit up. It's fantastic. But I will say my first job out of college was in Carrollton, Ohio, small little town on the eastern side of Ohio. And they used to have a competition in the town for Christmas lights on people's homes. And I had this dear family that kind of adopted me because I was just a young guy right out of college. And for 25 years, they would add, they added something new to their home every year. And I'm talking adding big things. Clark Griswold had nothing on this family, okay? So I'm looking up and I'm checking out, check out this house. Yes! (laughs) <laughs> that's not a movie, man. That's real right there. <laughs> and I said, there's such a difference, right, between living on our street where it's just completely black and then the light of the world, right, comes and joins us. Well, you guys, that's what we're going to look at, the difference today. The gift of light that comes with Christmas. Can I just ask you guys something? We all walked in here today living a lot of life. How many of you literally have hopes and fears. All of us do. Every one of you has hopes and every one of you has fears in this world. We all have dark streets, whether they're our own personal ones or those in the world. We look at the world today, right? We have poverty and prejudice and immigration and political discord, crime, violence, terrorism, environmental issues. I mean, there's, there's a lot of concern and we think, man, the world looks Dark. We could use some light in there. But then if we bring it home just to our own lives, our own relationships, our relationship with our spouses or our kids or other family members, they're often riddled with conflict. And our relationships with our friends and neighbors and bosses, they can be, and coworkers, those are just as challenging as well. And then we have our own dark streets, just the ones that are inside, not societal darkness, not relational darkness. But we walk in here, and the truth is, sometimes right inside here is pretty dark. Struggling with problems such as stress or anxiety, depression, self-doubt, addictions, worries about health and finance and future. Now, what's interesting, 
That whole section that I just read for you, I pulled all that right out of psychology today, okay? Psychology today from Dr. Mark Leary, and he's a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Duke University. So this is one sharp guy. He's studying human nature, studying the brain, the neuroscience of our brain. And here's his quote. Listen to this. All of these problems, societal, relational, and internal, all of these problems are complex, and their solutions are elusive. And yet, they share a common link. For the most part, they are all caused by human beings. Most of our problems that we face within ourselves, in our relationships, with other people, and in society are caused by people. Human, befa- be- human behavior is by far the single largest cause of the difficulties that each of us experience in life. Most problems are people problems. And the people who cause our problems are quite often us. This guy nails it. What he's saying is the dark streets of the world, the dark streets of our relationships, and the dark streets in our own soul. He goes, it's a people problem. This isn't a Christian. This is just a guy who's studying human nature, and he knows there's a dark problem in here. So here's my question. What would happen if our societal problems, our relational problems, and our own internal struggles, what would happen if those could all be met tonight, as O Little Town of Bethlehem says? What if your hopes and your fears could actually be touched? And here's what Christmas is, you guys. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And when Jesus comes, he brings everything that's right instead. His love, his peace, his joy, wisdom and truth and justice and mercy and power and goodness. Literally, Jesus moving into the neighborhood This neighborhood will never be the same again. And that's the hope of Christmas. As Derek said in the intro, 2,000 years ago, the world changed when Christmas happened, when God moved into the world. John chapter 1, verse 14 puts it this way. The word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You guys, this is Christmas. The Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. God moved into the neighborhood. Now, that word dwelling is very interesting, because what it is, what's a dwelling? It means that you settle down in a fixed place. A dwelling is somewhere where you go, I'm here, I'm staying. And so what this says, what Christmas was, is God moved in the neighborhood. He was actually dwelling in the world. So he was dwelling among the people. He lived in the world. And he lived in a world just like ours, with a Roman Empire, where there was a lot of oppression, where there was a lot of bickering and tenseness. There was, it was a, just a world just like ours. But he didn't just dwell among everybody. He chose 12 guys, and he dwelt with some people. And John puts it this way. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. I often think about these 12 guys who got to actually be with Jesus. He dwelt with them. 
They saw him. They heard him. They touched him. They were loved by him. But what those 12 guys didn't know is that was nothing compared to God's plan for Christmas. God's plan was not just to dwell among his people. God's plan was not to just dwell with his people. This, you guys, I love this. This is the greatest news in all the world I get to share with you today. The mystery, the Bible says, the mystery of all of human existence that has been hidden for ages and past is this right here. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> Colossians chapter 1. There it is. Christ in you. The hope of glory. What's the hope? What's the hope for this world that is so dark and that we're all worried about with all these fears? What's the hope for your marriage? What's the hope for your broken relationships? What's the hope for your darkness inside, the dark streets inside your own soul? The hope is that Christ wants to actually dwell, not just with you, he actually wants to dwell in you. Look at this verse, Ephesians 3, 17 and 18. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may Dwell in your hearts through faith. You guys, I, I must tell you right now, this message that Jesus had was not trying to make another man-made religion where a bunch of people would try to be good enough for God and try to get their act together. That's not what it's about. It is literally a spiritual transaction that takes place in you. Jesus came Christmas 2,000 years ago into this world, but his whole goal was that he would eventually move right into you. But then it doesn't stop there. He goes, and then you know what I want to do? Look at this. And in Christ, you too. Now he's talking plural. You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, all the relational ills, all the societal ills, are just because it's people. Messed up people like you and me trying to get along. And what God is saying is, if I can move into your neighborhood, if I can move in right here, and I can move into your heart, and to your heart, and your heart, and your heart, and your heart, once I come in, move into a group of people's hearts, then together, you become a dwelling where God lives. The church, you guys, is not some place you go for an hour. The church is a group of people who've actually been filled with God. Jesus came in Christmas, and he comes again all the time to create a group of people who would bring his kingdom onto this earth. And that's how he actually wants to dwell in the world. The way he dwells in the world is through a group of people who go out and bring his ways into the world. In fact, just a great example of that. These last few weeks here at K2, we've been doing a thing called Ring and Run. And what we did is we found a bunch of families who did not have the resource to actually celebrate Christmas. And so groups of people here, we call them Life Together groups and different people, gathered together and adopted these families and brought them in so that they could actually have a Christmas. Can we just do a, a, a real quick celebration here? 161 different people actually celebrated Christmas this year because of you guys. Yeah, that's really cool. 
See, and, and, and that's just like a small, that's just a small taste, but it's a great taste. Here's, here's the picture of my group, uh, my Life Together group. And, and we actually met, you can see me stand back there next to this guy. Um, and Wally is actually uh, from Afghanistan. And Wally spent almost every day of his teenage and adult years, every day, siding with American forces trying to take down the Taliban. He warred and captured people in the Taliban over and over and over to try to bring life and freedom to his people. And he worked right alongside the United States forces to do that. But the Taliban became aware of him and they had committed to take him out. They were going to kill him. So the government actually uh, gave Wally and his family, he's got five boys and a little baby girl, and they actually brought him to the States to take refuge and to be safe. And what a great thing. I've never celebrated Christmas before. I was really cool. And they, they've never celebrated Christmas before, and they have zero recess, they, a resource. They could bring nothing with them. And we had a chance just to go. And I tell you, we were the ones that were blessed. What an amazing, amazing experience. You guys, God cares about the darkness in the world. God cares about the darkness in your relationships that matter to you. And God cares about your heart the darkness that you feel and are struggling with. And so Jesus Christ came so he could dwell in you and then dwell in us so he could dwell in the world. So now let me just share with you three very, very cool things that happen when Jesus moves into the neighborhood, all right? Here's the first thing. When Jesus moves into your heart, when he dwells in your heart, here's the first thing he does. He gives gift after gift after gift. He is the greatest giver. Years ago, I did this study on giving because we were going to talk about how we need to be givers, which we do. So I studied the Bible. I'm like, let me just find all the times where it says we should give. You know what I found? Almost all the passages in the Bible are about God giving. He gives gift after gift after gift. Look at John 1.16 says, from him, from Christ, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And it just means it never stops. It's been so fun, you know, talking to our staff in different places, parties, just talking to people and figuring out different traditions. You know, we all have, you guys all have Christmas traditions when you were a kid. You know, we did. Our, our, one of our family traditions was my mom and dad would put just a few presents under the tree, you know, just to let us know that Christmas was happening. It didn't look bare. They put a few under. And then the greatest thing in the world is you'd wake up on Christmas morning and the whole room was filled Gift after gift after gift. It was awesome. And what's cool, I don't know about you guys, and then there were seven of us in our family, and we did them one by one. How many of you do the same thing? One gift by one. I, I actually heard that some people just go, go, and they rip them all done, and it's over in five minutes. Like, what? No, baby, stretch it out. Enjoy Christmas. Gift after gift, after gift. And then we always kept the best one till the end. And it was awesome. And then all of a sudden, it's done. <laughs> Christmas morning is over. And I want to tell you this, man. In Jesus, Christmas never stops. It never stops. He gives gift after gift after gift. Grace upon grace. If you let God move into your heart, he is love. 
And he can't wait to gift you and gift you and gift you. I love this verse. Ephesians 1.3 says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, listen to this, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Every spiritual blessing. Can I ask you guys a question? How many of you want to go to heaven? Yeah, I mean, right? Quick, easy. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Why do you want to go to heaven? Because heaven's not going to be like here. Right? Amen. If this is going to, we're going to do this all over again, like, oh, man. No, we know this. When we get to heaven, if the, the pain's gone. The blessings are all there. Did you see? Can you throw that verse back up there again real quick? What is he saying? He says, when we're united with Christ, when Christ moves into your neighborhood, he has already given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In other words, everything that you are waiting for, that you can't wait someday to get in heaven, he's saying, I want to give it to you right now. All the joy, all the peace, all the hope, all the love, all the strength, all the wisdom, all that I am. He goes, I want to give you, and I want to give you every one of them. Now, I, I will tell you, it's, we get to taste those gifts now, but yes, it's true. Once we get to heaven, we get them in fullness. But listen to me, you don't have to wait till heaven to get the gift. He wants to give you everything you need for life now. And it's gift after gift after gift. Awesome. All right. Now, here's the other thing. God only knows how to give good gifts. He will only, he's only going to give you what's good. And you know what's good to God? He will only give you what will make your soul come fully alive. All God wants is for you to be fully alive. So that's the second thing that happens. What happens when Jesus moves in to your heart, into the neighborhood? He gives life. He gives life. Look at this, John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Keep that up there for a second. You guys, you see what he's saying? The darkness that you fear, or maybe the hope that you have that things could actually be different, in Christ is life. And his life is the light of all mankind. It actually overcomes the darkness. Darkness can't overcome it. And that's one of the greatest news that God, through Christ, through Christmas, actually wants to give you light and life. So here's the question. What is the darkness that Jesus actually wants to come in and give light to? Dr. Leary, let's go back to our Duke professor, this neuroscientist and this psychologist. Remember, he's the guy who said most problems are people problems. Listen to this. Here he says, how can people be so intelligent and effective and yet also so dysfunctional? What's wrong with people? This is his question. And then he says this, naturally, we all focus mostly on ourselves and our lives and the core of many of the problems of darkness is the pervasive human tendency to be excessively self-focused. This isn't a Christian, guys. 
This is just somebody who's studying human nature. And what human nature knows, what psychology knows, is what causes the darkness, the people problems in society and in our relationships and in our own heart, the darkness in our own heart, is because we are so focused on ourself. If that's the darkness, then what's the light? Jesus is the light. In the darkness, you guys, you know what the Bible says? It's just, we can't follow God. There's not a human being on this planet who ever just has a natural tendency to follow God. <laughs> you know what a Christian is? I say this a lot. A Christian is just somebody who finally admits, I can't follow God. Anybody else? Amen? Can't do it. That's what you finally realize. But see, if God is light and love, but we are so caught up in ourselves, we can't follow God. And, come on, man, let's just be honest for a second. We can't even lay down our life for the people we love, much less everybody in the world. We get married and we think this is going to be great, and then we struggle to lay down our life. That's what he's saying. That is the darkness. Now, the Bible, you know what the Bible just calls that? That's what the Bible calls sin. So sin is simply this nature that isn't a human being that's bent towards itself. So it can't follow God, and it can't value other people above itself. And that's the human condition. And that's what causes darkness in our hearts and in our relationship in the world. So guess what happens on Christmas? The angels show up, and here's what they say in Matthew 1.21. Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Who can help me get rid of my excessiveness with myself? Jesus. Jesus. He's the only one who always did whatever God wanted him to do. And he's the only one who actually loved everybody. That's what he showed us. And so he's saying, I have come to save you from your sin, which is your excessive self-absorption. So I want to save you from that so you can finally actually say yes to God and so you finally can love each other. This is what the world needs. It needs people who are not focused on themselves, but who are focused on love, who will love God with all their heart and who will love people more than themselves. And that's what Christmas was for. You know, and so what's needed in our dark streets, and I was just thinking about this, there's a couple things we need in this. Number one is we need forgiveness. We just need forgiveness. Some of you walked in here right now, and you know what your darkness is? It's shame. You feel shame because you're not a good enough husband. You're not a good enough wife. You're not a good enough dad. You're not a good enough mother. You're not a good enough employee. You're not good. You're not, the, you're not enough. And you failed, and you've, my, I love my definition my sister gave me of sin years ago. She said, you know what sin is, Dave? It's just anything that you do that hurts you or hurts somebody else. When you do stuff that hurts yourself and hurts other, other people, that's what God is saying. That's just, that's sin. And I want to set you free from that. And some of you just need to be forgiven. You need to know that every person you've ever hurt and you need to know when you look in the mirror that you can forgive yourself. I can't tell you how many people here at K2 have told me that through the years. I can forgive others. I can't forgive myself. Jesus came to save you from that shame. 
And Jesus came to forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong. Now, how does he do that? How does he do that? I, I saw a story on a news website this last week, and it's fantastic. Look at this kid. I love this face. Look, is that not kid? Is he not cute? What a good-looking kid. That's Armand Shan. Armand Shen was a fifth grader, is a fifth grader, at Avalon Elementary School in Orlando. And what he did is he was watching a documentary on sh- lunch shaming. You guys know lunch shaming? It's people who, when they couldn't afford, you know, the lunches, they, they, they won't give them food. They won't, then they make them, they shame them in the, in the cafeteria. So he was watching this, and it so moved him. You know what he did? He actually started working in his uncle's store. He made enough money to cancel every delinquent account of every kid in his school. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And, and, and here's what's great. So here's all these kids who are experiencing shame, right? Because they can't pay their lunch account. And they walk into the cafeteria and they won't give them any food and they make them sit there and they make them look at shame. And this guy, this guy right here says, you know what? I'm going to pay your debt. And the next thing you know, one day the kids walk to school and they're free. And they can eat. You guys, and here's what's cool. What did his classmates do? What did his classmates do? Nothing. He did all the work. He, he, he gathered all the money and he paid for it for them and it was free. And all they had to do was receive the gift. I'm going to tell you right now, what he did is on a small scale, is what Jesus did for all of you. Look at this verse, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You guys don't keep that up there. The gift of God. Do you know why Christmas, you guys? He came to save you. Now, can I just tell you something? You don't need to be saved unless you're dying. Is that, is that right? Like, I mean, if, right, if you can kind of just pull it together, then you don't need to be saved. It's like work harder. I remember one time my little brother literally was drowning. We lived in Michigan, and the, our lakes in Michigan have lots of seaweed and stuff. And he was up there, and he was, and he was going, he's going down. And what do I do? Come on, Mike, you can do it. Just keep trying. You know what happens if you try? You get more tangled up in the seaweed, and you go down. No, you know what has to happen when somebody is literally dying? That's when they need to be saved. And the angel said, I have good news for you. A savior is born. He came to save you from your sin. Because you guys, if we keep saying no to God, we just get separated from him. And if we keep saying no to God, we break the law of love and we create... And we get separated from it. And so Jesus said, I'm coming. I'm coming. And here's what I'm going to do. On the cross, I'm going to pay the debt for all your sin. The wages for sin is death. So I'll die for you. And that right there, that act of Christ, was taking on the punishment, God's wrath towards our sin. And I just want to tell you, one of the greatest things for me is I believe with all my heart in Jesus Christ because I believe that he was a son of God who was born of a virgin, who came to this earth, God in the flesh, lived a perfect life 
so that he could die in my place so that I can be forgiven of everything I've done. Just like those kids received Armand's canceling of their debt, you can receive the cancel of all your sin. And I tell you, man, if that happens, that's the greatest gift. The wages for sin is death, but the gift, Merry freaking Christmas to you. The gift to you is Christ taking on our sin and forgiving us of everything you've ever done. And then last thing, just let me close with this, is not only that, but Jesus wants to, well, the last thing he gives you is he gives you himself. He actually gives you himself, right? He moves in to the neighborhood. Look at this, John chapter one, verse 12. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, the cool thing is, Jesus didn't come just to forgive us. He also came to be the light inside of us, to give us his life, to live in you so that you could have the power to actually say yes to God, so that you could have the power to love other people the way that God loves you. And I want to tell you, man, this is the biggest thing, and this is what I'm going to give you an invitation to. You could actually receive Jesus. You could have his spirit dwell inside of you. And he could get rid of all of your shame and he could fill you with himself. And just one last quick story. You know, the greatest gift for me, outside of Jesus inside of me, the greatest gift for me is my wife, Susie. I love that woman with all my heart. But I want to tell you, man, when I was pursuing her, you know why I pursued her? It's because she kept stiff-arming me and didn't really want me. <laughs> Any other guys get that? Right? Only me? Yeah, I know. I've got some dysfunction there. But here's what I got. I understood that. It's like, okay, I'm on the hunt. And I, I, I was actually, I, it's true, I do have dysfunction. I didn't really know how to be loved. So I kept pursuing Susie because she didn't know for sure if she wanted to be with me. And then one day, she called me. And everything was different on the phone. Long story, but she finally felt the freedom to give her life to me. And next thing you know, she just started gushing love through the phone. And I was like freaking out because I didn't know how to do this. She actually started to sing to me on the phone. And I remember literally, I heard this voice say, shut up and receive. <laughs> shut up and receive. And I want to tell you, man, it was a hard season for us before we got married. Because the truth was, I didn't know how to be loved. Some of you, you are holding Jesus like this. You come to church, you're doing religious stuff, but you don't really want to let him in. It freaks you out. I want to tell you, I let Susie in to my life. And God has used her to heal me, to heal my heart. And if you will let Jesus into your heart. If you will receive him, his light of love and grace and mercy and peace and joy will start to permeate your being. And that light is life. He wants to dispel the darkness.
He wants to dispel your darkness and give you the light of life. So as the band comes up here, I just want to ask every one of you, I, I, I talked with them, I, our team, and I said, here, here's what happened. About 40 years ago, I was sitting in a church service just like you, and a guy got up here and he shared a message similar to this about that you could actually have all your sins forgiven, you could be reconciled to God, and God's Spirit could come. God's Spirit could come and live inside of you. And I actually received that. And I remember I actually had to get up and walk in front of the church and get out on my knees in front of an altar, you know. It was, ah! it was so scary. But I did it. And I want to tell you, man, my life has never been the same. I'm not up here, you guys, because it's fun to be a pastor. When everybody thinks you're weird, why in the world would I want to be a pastor? You know why I'm up here? Because Jesus Christ has changed my life. He has set me free. He does give me forgiveness and peace and joy. And I know him. He's with me every moment of my day. You know, and the truth is, I can't wait to, wait to meet that guy. I don't even know who he is. I can't wait to get to heaven one day and go, thank you for giving me a chance to receive Christ. So who, it would certainly behoove me to not give you a chance today. So here's what we decide to do. Every one of you should have one of these cards. And I just want to tell you today, if you're sitting here and you're just going, wait a second, man, I'm sick and tired of the darkness. I'm sick and tired of the shame. I'm sick and tired of my relationships falling apart. I'm sick and tired of being afraid of the fears of the world. If I could have peace and light and life inside of me, if Jesus Christ could live in me, I want him. And if that's you, all it says on here is, I want to receive the gift of life. Because that's all he says. It's a gift, and it's eternal life in Christ. So all we want to do on the back is simply just write your name and give us some contact information, and we would love to connect with you. Take you out for coffee, do whatever, meet with you, and help you to really understand what it means to receive this free gift, okay? So the band's going to play just a little bit underneath, give you a chance to meditate just for a few seconds on, do you want this? Do you want this gift on Christmas? You want to open the greatest gift ever in the world. It's yours. It's for every one of you in this room. And then once we start singing, Oh, Holy Night, we do have some people on our team, two back here, two up in the back and the front. If you guys want to meet with them, you can hand them the card right there and say, would you pray with me? Because I want to receive Christ. I want this gift. If that's a little too much for you, then as you're leaving, you can slip these in the box as you go out, or I'm going to be standing out there and you can give it to me, okay? And we would love to welcome you and help you to receive the gift of life and light in Christ, all right? So go ahead, take a moment, think about that, and then we'll begin to do our worship together.